You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm back for another day of Blue Jays talk. This is a, a bit more downbeat today after watching what happened last night as my Kitty co-host decides she's already had enough of me talking and is leaving the room. So that's the kind of tone we're setting today on Locked On Blue Jays uh, after a very rough opening game in this two-game series the Blue Jays are playing against Atlanta. 11-4 was the final yesterday. Just nothing really good coming from the Blue Jays side of things. So I want to start by saying something good. The offense looked like it was doing things, which was nice. Seven, seven of the nine starters got a hit, which is positive. There were six doubles in that game which you think would generate more than four runs total. But that is what it is. I'm 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 happy to see the bats were not the cause of the problem for the Blue Jays in yesterday's game. And, and to see Justin Smoke going two for four after the slump he's been in, that's a positive. I'm, I'm happy with that. However, the pitching was the problem yesterday. And... It's something that needs to be discussed because it's going to have implications for the rest of the season. So let's start with Jaime Garcia. Jaime Garcia was terrible yesterday. There's no way around it. He only lasted three innings, gave up five runs, walked three batters, a pair of home runs, which did most of the damage that Johan Camargo grand slam was kind of silly, but it happened. And then... Charlie Culberson, fresh off of giving himself a concussion in the first inning, took Garcia deep to the left center field gap in the fourth, which which put the end to Garcia's day. But I've seen on Twitter fans basically asking, like, when is Jaime Garcia going to be demoted? When When is he going to leave this rotation? And the answer I have for you is not anytime soon. If we look at the Blue Jays season as a whole here, Jaime Garcia is not going anywhere. He's not a valuable trade asset right now because he is not pitching effectively. He cannot string together consecutive good starts. And the problems aren't his defense. The problems are with Garcia. He bounces balls. And when he doesn't, he leaves them up and they get wrapped all over the field. He he had 64 pitches yesterday. 30 of them were balls. That's, that's not a good ratio. When you're hovering around 50% of your pitches for strikes, it's never going to end well. You need to be up in that 60-65% range to have success. So, watching Garcia pitch last night, it was clear that no... Contender was going to be asking for Jaime Garcia. 
not when Jay Happ and Marco Estrada are potentially available from this Blue Jays rotation. And that's the main reason why Garcia will be sticking around in that rotation. He's being paid $8 million, and if Happ and Estrada both leave before the deadline, which, given the Blue Jays, it's looking very possible that both pitchers will be traded, they will need starters. And Ryan Barucki is a candidate to come up. He's looked very good at AAA lately. He actually pitched seven innings, seven shutout innings, I believe, yesterday. So he's on Garcia's turn. And I saw that correlation being drawn on Twitter as well. But they're they're going to get their money's worth out of Garcia. He's signed for a one-year deal. He's He's an inning eater at this point, although he does not eat innings very well anymore as evidence from the three innings last night. But even if the Blue Jays are waving the white flag on the season, which they should, they are going to need someone to throw out there. And you don't want to send out guys like Sean Reed Foley. You don't want to use a 40-man spot on a guy like Chris Rowley just to be out there to, to soak up innings. You might as well use the guy you have. So Garcia will be out there. Maybe maybe the Blue Jays get lucky and they can trade him like they did Francisco Liriano last year to a team that maybe wants a, a longer lefty arm in the pen. But Liriano had some ability to show he could pitch as a reliever. Garcia's never done that before at the major league level, and I don't know how quickly he would take to it enough for a team to justify sending a prospect over to acquire Garcia in that $8 million contract that he's on. Thankfully, I, I don't believe he's going to be earning his 2019 contract, so the Blue Jays can move on from this. But for now, he'll be sticking in the rotation and likely until the end of the year. So Jaime Garcia isn't going anywhere. Danny Barnes. Oh, Danny Barnes. I did not want to see Danny Barnes in the fourth inning. And what he did basically proved why. He, he went out there in a mop-up role and pitched like he was in a mop-up role. That is to say, badly. Gave up three runs in an inning and two-thirds. And like Garcia, he had trouble finding the plate. Only for 16 of 33 pitches for strikes. You're not going to have any kind of success when you keep doing that. I've said it before. I will say it again like I'm beating a dead horse. But it was it was a disappointing setback for Danny Barnes to see him go out there in that mop-up role. And there, there were guys in that bullpen who can do that. I know Garcia left with runners aboard. So yeah, you want to bring in a guy like Barnes instead of a Joe Biagini to try and try and get out of that. And Barnes was able to get out of that. He just didn't have anything left for the next inning. I, I will say positively Joe Biagini looked all right. He was finding the strike zone. He, he was doing very well in his inning in the third. He probably could have gone another inning. Honestly, I'm not sure why Gibbons pulled him that early. I guess he just wanted you need to have a scoreless outing to be like, hey, this is something you can build on. So Preston Gilmet comes out, and I was I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him to get his ERA down below ten, but he gave up that run in the eighth inning that 
the para doubles scored Camargo off the bat of Albies, so that dream died. And then Aaron Loop was Aaron Loop. That's all you need to know about that. It's, again, making the Sportsnet scoreboard operator look semi-prothetic. I for for people who weren't watching the broadcast yesterday, at one point while Biagini was pitching, instead of eight four, which was the score, Sportsnet flashed ten four for a little bit, and it it was caught by people on Twitter. But yeah, ended up being correct in the night when Aaron Loop came out, and and then just to prove that Loop can go one step beyond, he allowed an eleventh run. He he had stuff. He struck out the side. He he looked decent in that regard, but just he's when he leaves pitches out on the over the plate, they get clobbered. So just a, again an entirely disappointing outing from the Blue Jays pitchers going out there. But it it wasn't a game that was to be expected for for a victory. Today's game would. Which is on Facebook, so I won't be watching it because I refuse to support that endeavor. But J-Hap against Anibal Sanchez, that was a game that was more likely for for the Blue Jays to find a victory. So, whatever. That, that ugly game on Tuesday is what it is. It's, it's going to happen other times this season as the Blue Jays just kind of roll lazily towards the end with no playoffs in sight. So you can just take the positive, say, say the team got some extra base hits, which maybe that will carry well into today's game and beyond. But I want to talk about some future plans for a batter who did not hit a double yesterday right after this. So a couple of procedural moves were announced by the Blue Jays today. One, Marcus Stroman will be back. He will pitch against Los Angeles on Saturday, which is good. I, I'm i not sure how they're going to shake the rotation down. It looks like Sam Gaviglia will be bumped just, just because he's the last man in there and because he's more easily moved, I guess. You'll likely go... I, I think Gaviglia is going to move into the bullpen as a long man. And either Joe Biagini or Preston Gilmet will be the casualty, either by DFA or just optioning in Biagini's case. One of those two arms will not be in the bullpen anymore. So that's good. If Stroman can come back and show that he's bounced back from the injury issues and can be something more resembling the Cy Young candidate that everyone thought Stroman could be this year, that's awesome. That's great for the Blue Jays going forward. I hope he does very well. The other move that was announced is that Josh Donaldson is away from the team to attend a funeral, which, you know, we we wish our condolences to Josh Donaldson for the loss and, and hope that everything is well with him. But it was announced that he would return to Dunedin after that and continue rehabbing his calf injury. And I wanted to talk about something I, I did see. I, I'm i sorry I did not like this to kind of bookmark it, so I lost where the tweet was. But someone tweeted out one of those galaxy brain memes. And and for those people who are unaware, 
of what that is. It's essentially uh, photos of various stages of enlightenment of the brain with various things posted next to it. Like Josh Donald, in this case, the initial brain was that Josh Donaldson had no trade value left. Then it progressed to Josh Donaldson can come back after the All-Star break, have a couple good weeks, and prove that he has trade value and a team might make a move for him. But eventually it worked up to the point where it said Josh Donaldson may accept a qualifying offer. And I wanted to discuss that point in particular because it's an interesting proposition for the Blue Jays if they don't think they are going to be a contender in 2019. Now, we've talked on this podcast before about trying to determine when the Blue Jays window is. And I think the consensus is it's not going to be this year and it's not going to be next year. But the question becomes, what do you do next year? Do you use it as a burn year for Vladdy Jr. just to get him to try and learn how the majors work as opposed to AA and AAA? Or do you kind of take some pressure off him by by getting someone in who can play their base? They, they kind of have that in Solarte. They could run Solarte out there for 2019. But do you let him kind of learn half and half just to try and build him up before opening that window in 2020? Bringing Josh Donaldson back on a qualifying deal actually might not be bad for either party. Because if you do that, theoretically, the Blue Jays will have some roster spots to play with. There will be no Curtis Granderson, no Steve Pierce. Uh, at that point, a buyout of Kendris Morales is a lot more palatable. So there, there will be some slots they can use. They might determine that Vlad Jr. is worthy of one of those spots. And if they do that, then they can slot him in at third base and use... Donaldson is a DH or vice versa and have Guerrero get his feet wet with with a little more of a cushion with him knowing that you have an MVP there with him and for Donaldson taking a qualifying offer would make sense because it would allow him to build his value up more if Josh Donaldson hits the market right now he's not going to get anywhere near the nine-figure contract that he wants those don't exist anymore unless they're for special players. Like you, you ask the Baltimore Orioles how that nine figure contract they gave Chris Davis is working out. They will tell you it was an absolute mistake. And teams have become more worried of that. It, it was to the point where teams were accused of collusion at, for not handing out these contracts. They, they just don't feel it's valuable anymore. Eric Hosmer had to wait until like February to get his eight year deal with San Diego. And that's done nothing for the Padres this year. They still occupy the basement of the NL West. So teams are very hesitant to do that. And they're definitely going to be hesitant to give that to a 32 year old third baseman who has calf problems. So if Donaldson accepted a qualifying offer, if he came back to the blue Jays for that year and, and again, you, the same thing could apply. They could trade Donaldson next year. He's not going to have any less value than he will at this trade deadline. So if he comes back, performs well, and then gets traded to, say, the Cardinals, 
for for better prospects than the Blue Jays may get for a damaged Josh Donaldson, that would benefit the team as well. And then once you trade him, obviously the job is flat easy. You call him up. Everybody's happy with the prodigious power display. Yada, yada, yada. But it would give the Blue Jays, again, a cushion, which is what they're kind of looking for next year. They're not looking for a team that's going to go out and beat the Yankees in a five-game series. They're looking for kind of a bridge team to get to the point where their younger players start to come up. And if you can keep a former MVP around for that year and have him be able to offer his knowledge to the younger clubs for one year at a discount, because I'm I'm not sure what the qualifying offer would be set at. I know it was like 17.2 when Jeremy Hellickson signed his. So if we're thinking around like 19 million, 20 million, that's still probably a discount. And it, it's akin to what they gave Jose Bautista last year. So again, for Donaldson, it would make sense to rebuild its va- his value. For the Blue Jays, it would make sense to rebuild his value and keep a former MVP around to help the younger kids learn. I'm I'm not sure on what end it it would make sense. And and like even even if Donaldson decides no, I don't want to sign the qualifying offer and goes elsewhere, the Blue Jays would still get a compensation pick which may be more valuable than what they get in a trade for Josh Donaldson anyway. That was the third level of the galaxy brain that I kind of skipped over. So the Blue Jays are going to, I think that's a Blue Jays plan actually right now. If they can't get a multi-prospect deal, a multi-good prospect deal for Josh Donaldson, he's going to be a Blue Jay for the rest of the year. And that's going to work out for him to try and rebuild his value. It's going to work out for the Blue Jays to get that draft pick. And if he does accept the qualifying offer, it could work out even better for the Blue Jays. So it's something to think about as you go on in this Blue Jays season. That that continues right now, even though I won't be able to see it because Facebook. But whatever. I don't control the media presentation of baseball hard as I try. I just can I just controlled this podcast, which I thank you for listening to. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Jays. You can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. And check out jaysfromthecouch.com for writings about the Blue Jays. Actually, I had a really good piece go out today with a new calculation for how to figure out run differential from Jeff Quattrociochi which I recommend. It's a lot of math. (laughs) And as an English major, I'm not good at math, but it's a very interesting piece that can be used to help determine what how to project what a team will do. So I'm giving it a hearty endorsement. I, I highly encourage you to check that if you have a mind for numbers. Speaking of numbers, that brings us to the end of episode 52 of Locked on Blue Jays. Again, I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.